Yes, people, welcome back to Process. Today we are joined by bodybuilder, online coach, YouTuber, everything you can probably think of. George Osborne, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thank you for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure. I uh, I love doing podcasts, love talking. I'm a bit of a waffler sometimes as well. And when I do my YouTube videos, I think I'm waffling here too much. I have to trim it down. But on podcasts, I can just say whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, that's the best thing. Honestly, it's, it's easy enough for me doing a podcast when someone just rambles for the full time. It just makes my job nice and easy. Uh, yeah. But we touched a little bit beforehand. Obviously, I'm coming from, from a football background. You said you played football a little bit yourself when you were younger. Where, where were you yes. playing that? And kind of talk about that journey. So I started, I didn't actually play seven aside. That was obviously like under, I don't know what age that was. When you was like really young, you used to play seven aside and then you obviously transition to 11 aside. Yeah. Um, I started at 11 aside. That was my first season. And uh, I, I started puberty quite young. I was, I was a big lad at 12, 13, you know, bigger than everyone else in my team. So I was a bit of a bully. Like I could put people on the floor and I was top scorer in my first ever season of playing football, that sort of stuff, just because I was big and quick and, and then I progressed actually up the ladder. So um, I think at the age of 14, I signed with Luton Academy. Um, that was till 17. Yeah, 17. And we went on football tours like Sweden, you know, typical yeah. go abroad, that sort of stuff. So when I was like 15, 16, I was living like the footballer sort of life, mm -hmm. you know. And then... Um, I just kind of, I got to that point where I didn't really know what to do in my life and everyone started to grow taller than me when I was like that sort of young 12 year old that used to be good and he used to be good because he was big sort of de declined as I got further into it and then everyone else started growing bigger um, and people just better than me and in the end I got dropped because I wasn't good enough. I just wasn't good enough anymore and I was just like fuck this. So I did get into playing a bit of semi-pro football back then um, if you want to call it that, at a fairly decent level. And uh, after that, I was just like, nah, it's not for me, not for me. So yeah. I just went down the bodybuilding route and I still love it. Don't get me wrong, I still love it, but I'd rather watch it than play it now. Yeah. That's for sure. I, uh, I just I just clicked for a second. Now, I remember when I was about 12 or 13, because we had the same age, I think we might have played against each other, you know? We played Luton one. Did you ever play Newcastle? Yeah. Oh, fuck me. This at is about our, 10 years It would have been at Newcastle. <laughs> I oh, it might have been, I swear we played them when I was 12. We got beat. I think you was beat, well, if it were, you were playing, we got beat off them. I think it was two, oh, I can't remember. I was 12 or 30. So maybe we might have played against each other. It might have been back in the yeah. day. I've just, I've just, when you were speaking, I just clicked onto it. Um, mm. But that was, that was you. It was a very good, sorry, I was going to say, we, I did play a, a very good academy, I must admit. Luton was one of the best back in. They still are now, you know. Um, but yeah, as I grew, as, as I just grew, it just kind of, I just, I felt like, when when I was in the academy, I don't know if you had this, but when you when they know you're not good enough, they make you know that you're not good enough, and yeah. you got kind of put to the side on most things, and it's just like, what's what, what's the point? And I was aware of that at seventeen, even though I was like, you know, a fairly young still, and sometimes you're oblivious to that sort of stuff. I was kind of aware that okay, these guys don't think I'm good enough anymore, yeah. and I think it was down a lot of it was down to my height and strength. I was quite a small person, and that's why I got into bodybuilding. I was like, if yeah, I can't grow to, like it's funny that you up. say that now with down to your strength as well. Yeah, you're a bodybuilder, but did you get much? <laughs> I'm like, I'm big on talking about people coming out of football. Obviously, I'm coming out of football myself. Did you get much support? Because I'm guessing you would have played it since you were like a young. Wait, how old were you when you started playing football? You said a little bit uh, older, was it 11 I was or 12? 12, yeah, about 12 I started playing. Did football. you get much support um, from anybody in terms of coaches? Because it's kind of like that you said, you've kind of been neglected from the football side of things as soon as they knew mm -hmm. that they weren't going to keep you on. I just kind of piled no, you off. No, there, not, not at all. Not yeah. at all. Didn't get any support at all. Just left to do whatever I wanted. And then I just went and uh, 
I went to college and I started playing for the college team. That's kind of how yeah. it went from up here just to down here. And I was, even though we had different teams in the college team, that was like first team, second team, third team, obviously third team not being great, first team being the best. And I was in the first team, but I was just like, this isn't the same. You know, the yeah. quality is still not the same. And then that's just kind of when I went to uni, that's when I just thought, right, I'll just quit playing, just quit playing yeah. and just focus on something else. I think sometimes when you lose, then you, you get to that point where it's just like, oh, fuck it, this is this is not for me anymore. Just find something else that can take its place. That's what a lot of people struggle with, with football, find something else, but you found the bodybuilding. So was that the reason yeah. you kind of started bodybuilding in the, in the first place? Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, like, like I said, when I was younger, I was big. I could put everyone on the floor quite easily at 12, 13. But then when I was 17, I was getting put on my ass all the time, put on my ass, and they were telling me, you need to get stronger, you need to get stronger. And I'm thinking... <laughs> I was agile on my feet. I was very quick, but at the same time, I just wasn't, if someone came over to me and put me on the floor, you know, I'll be down and out for a bit. And I'm like, yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's the reason why I went to gym. I was like, if I can't grow tall, I'll grow wider if I can. <laughs> and uh, ever since then, I've, it was just a case of the football side of things. I couldn't see a future in that. Like I couldn't see me progressing. Whereas bodybuilding, I had that progression, you know, constant progression that I found and I just fell in love with it since then. Yeah. Did you pick it up quite quickly in terms of the bodybuilding, in terms of like, I don't know, if genetically you kind of built muscle a little bit more or was it just something that you loved the kind of process process of it and learning more about it? What kind of got you hooked into it in the bodybuilding? I think I would I already had a bit of background because obviously when you're at Academy, you do go into the gym, you do train, you do sort of strength training. And uh, I actually had a coach called Joe Dini who was a cage fighter and uh, yeah. an ex-professional footballer. And I saw him and I was like, wow, he's fucking big. He's big. And he was doing some shit in the gym. I can't remember what he was doing now, but at the time I was impressed. And uh, it just went from there. And I was just like, okay, cool. I'd had fairly decent legs. Like my lower half was fairly decent just through playing football. Mm. Upper half was was okay. I've always been quite lean. I've not been... I, I've, I've had a good structure. I must admit, I've had good structure in body, for bodybuilding anyway. So when I started training, I just grew quite quickly. Mm. Um, and I noticed that throughout the college and people were like, oh, you're getting bigger and stuff like that when you're like 17, 18 and that sort of shit used to thrive off. Now I just think, fuck, rat, don't even tell me about any of that stuff. I'm not interested. <laughs> I don't know what I know it's like, mate. So like, the first person to get muscles is always like a fucking hell up at him. Someone over George over there is getting like, he's got facial. So did you get facial hair quite young as well? That's another yeah. thing. Yeah, facial mm -hmm. hair. Mate, I'm still, I'm 24, mate, and I've got absolutely zero there. I'm baby face. I'm I haven't shaved this beard for years. You're putting me to shame, had this, I think I've had this beard now for about seven years. I've not shaved in, not clean shaved in that long. I never yeah. will. <laughs> I love oh, it. Man. I don't want to know what I look like underneath. I don't know who that person is. <laughs> You'll probably look about 12 years young. I know a few of my mates have oh. shaved theirs off after a while. It's just like, who are you now? You're a different yeah. man. Different man. Fuck that. Yeah. So what did you um what did you go on to study at college? And I know you went to university after, so what, what did you kind of do from there? So I actually did sports diploma at mm -hmm. college and I did my I think it was like level two coaching badge at college as well. I had the opportunity mm -hmm. to do that, so I did that as well. Um didn't really take the because I wanted to I was thinking, hang on, I could do like a part-time sort of football coach, referee and that sort of stuff. But I never went down that sort of route. I just ended up going to uni and studying personal training and fitness management, which when I look back now, if if I didn't go, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now, that's for sure, because I want to start the YouTube channel and then I would be able to do what I'm doing. But certainly I didn't learn anything much from it. That's for sure. I It was very much everything that I knew already in terms of the training, the personal training, even just 
being a PT at university, like I had to do uh, work experience for that. I fucking hated it, mate. Hated it. Hated, hated teaching clients how to squat, deadlift, bench. Uh, yeah. Just wasn't for me because um, I was beyond that at that time. You know, I was taking bodybuilding seriously when I was at university. Like for the whole three years I was there, I probably went out about 10, 15 times. Not much. Yeah not much at all. I was so dedicated to bodybuilding, sleeping. I'd rather sleep in than go on a night out. So I was very, very serious about what I was doing. And since then I, I took a step forward. And when I was coming to PT a woman that never squatted in her life, I was like, this is fucking boring. That I actually failed my, even though I was very knowledgeable at the time, I actually failed my uh, personal training qualification reps level three first time round because yeah. someone told me how to use rowing machine. And I sat there and I was like, well, I'd expect them to know how to use one, not me teaching them. So I was at that level already that I didn't know the basic stuff, which might sound stupid, but yeah. at the time I was like, fuck this. So you gotta uh, explain every single basic thing for the instructor course, isn't it? You just got to walk through about you put your legs here. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's a stupid little thing. Like actually it's, breaking it down. Yeah. yeah, it's worrying the amount of people that get past though. Like I've done for when I had my first PT job, I had like a little, um, we call it interview thing. So one of the things was I had to demonstrate in groups of six, like a, a circuit thing and a woman next to me and I was like alright well, you do um, like, you do push ups you do deadlifts and she pulled me and said how do you do a deadlift like and she passed her level 3 about 2 weeks ago she didn't like that, that sort of thing I'm just like the people who are passing it at the minute it's worrying <laughs> it is ridiculous yeah. um, but you mentioned about uni there you didn't really go out too much do you kind of do you look back is there any sort of regrets in terms of not going out as much because you know what everyone's like in uni these days well obviously pre-covid our first mm. year of uni is mainly just going out really I think I could add more of a balance for sure. Yeah. I think I was, and that's why I went down a bit of a hole at university because I was, I studied at Southampton. Obviously I live in Luton. So it's about two hour drive from, from where I am. So I couldn't just go home and see my family every single day or every weekend. It wasn't like that. Uh, and a lot of my friends were, even though we did a fitness train, fitness and personal training uh, course, you know, a lot of them still did go out and enjoy themselves. And I was kind of that extreme bodybuilder who wanted to compete when I was at, uh, university I think they, they had a show I remember I wanted to I, I applied for but I bottled it in the end so I was very dedicated to what I did and uh, I look back now and I think yeah I could have probably gone out a little bit more I think one of the times I went out was good I did enjoy it but I certainly could have probably done more of that and still be where I am today but it is what it is yeah I think a lot there is a lot of people who do that I think probably because you came from like the football ground and you're probably quite dedicated very young because you've came from the academy like I know that's what I've always been like I never I didn't really touch alcohol till I was 18 and I didn't really go out or drink and anything like that and then I had like a stint when I was like 20 years old where I kind of did it all and then I've kind of like faded off it a little bit now but probably because of your background what was your like upbringing like were your parents quite regimented and stuff or were they quite like pushy with your football or anything or was it just so just merely you I had a paper round, an everyday paper round. You know, the, you, it's not like a paper round where you do the the weekly sort of paper rounds and they've got like the big old stack pieces of paper, uh, papers and you deliver it to every single house. I actually had a, I actually worked at a news agent when I was, I think I was 12. It's when I started. So I'd get up at seven o'clock, half six, seven o'clock every morning. I'd ride my bike around to an estate and I'd do particular houses. And I used to get paid 20 quid a week from that. So I, from 12 years old, I was earning money and uh, I was up and about. And even like, if I did go out and have a, a party and stuff like that, I'd still get up at half six, even though I get in at two o'clock um, and, and go do a paper. And I did that till I was 18. So I did that for six yeah. years, um, every day, getting up at seven, half six, seven o'clock every morning. I've always been quite an early bird. I've always been a worker, but 
it's yeah it's made me disciplined you know it's made me routined I was in a you know great position when I was that age like as as as, as weird as it sounds like I did have money when I was 12 13 14 years old I was a lot richer if you want to call it that compared to my friends I was earning 80 quid a week a month yeah. sorry fucking from my my paper round and that able, enabled me to buy stuff and have more of a privileged life but you know I work for that you know I've always worked for what I've done and uh yeah it definitely kept me more as, as probably why I am like I am today is because of that you know and not much yeah. changes so yeah. yeah I've been very very disciplined with that for sure yeah no it does humble you and it's probably you're in the perfect sort of career for it, bodybuilding. You have to be so disciplined. But like you said, getting that life balance is so important. What sort of things have you kind of implemented? I know that you've done took like a little social media day off today kind of thing. Is there other little things that you're implementing to have that little bit more balance in life? Because bodybuilding can get really, really serious, especially if you're prepping for a show and stuff like that. Is there anything that you've kind of changed over the years that you've done? Uh have I no I wouldn't I'm, I'm very all or nothing type of person yeah. I don't I'm very selfish with what I do and like with my girlfriend I would at the time you know maybe have some maybe do something switch off from bodybuilding a little bit but that's only until I knew that I've done everything that I needed to do in that day whether it's training whether it's my food don't get me wrong I would have my days where I would have a day off and um, we'll probably speak about in a bit about the last six months and what what happened with the smoking and that side of stuff but mm-hmm. I've always I don't let anyone get in my way. I'm very selfish with my time. That's why I don't have many friends. (laughs) Yeah, mate. I was just about to touch on that. I was going to say you have to be, I think if you do want to achieve anything, be successful, you do have to be selfish. Like my missus, she has a go at me all the time for being so level, like focused on what I want to do. And sometimes it's kind of like, but as long as Brendan's happy, it doesn't fucking matter what anybody else does, which is, I know that sometimes I need to bring myself back in and think like, you know what? I need to think about my missus. I've got a dog now. I've got, I'm not seeing my family because I live away and, and stuff like that. You've got to think about other things because you do get stuck in that tunnel vision so much. Just take a step back sometimes. And I was quite lucky. Well, I say I was quite lucky. I caught COVID about a month ago. I wouldn't say I was lucky to catch COVID, but <laughs> I had obviously, I had like 10 days when I was just a write off, but it gives us that 10 days to kind of take a step back and think like, right, what do I need to do? Do I need to maybe sacrifice an evening one night just so I can like FaceTime my dad or something who I haven't seen in age or something like that, anything like mm. that. You have to take that step back. And then you mentioned there about you don't have a lot of friends, but I think I'm the same in terms of you want to have a small circle, stay like close yeah. circle of friends who kind of are all on the same mission. You probably, like, I know obviously you're a good mate with AJ. He's, is, he your, is he your coach or you're kind of doing your own thing? Yeah, yeah. AJ's, AJ's my coach. coach. So just surrounding yourself with people like that who are on the same mission, who are like, even people who are like a few steps ahead of you, they're going to be driving you on. And, Obviously, if you don't mind touching on it, you, you mentioned, I think it was in a previous podcast with AJ, the Beyond the Stage one, about splitting up with your girlfriend, maybe because of things that it was stopping you from stepping forward. I mentioned to you on the notes that I've had a relationship before that was stopping me from stepping forward and I knew that it wasn't the right thing. So it, it's so important having that sort of close, close circle that is on the same mission and going to take you that, that step forward. Yeah, hundred percent. That's why I have more friends online than I do in person. Yeah, a lot of the time when I when I actually started um, YouTube, a lot of my personal friends at the time, which I hadn't spoke to in about five six years, were just like la- not laughing, but they, I could tell they were taking the piss. It wasn't like how how are you doing that sort of as a lot of people say they, that that happens, but it wasn't like that. It was just I could tell that they were weren't really into that sort of thing. And I still see it now, you know, when mm-hmm. even when I'm just holding a camera in the street and people are like, what the fuck is that guy doing? But then they'll go home and watch a YouTube video later that night. And I'm thinking, yeah. like, you don't really see what goes beyond behind that sort of, 
uh, especially YouTube, all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, I just went my separate ways and I'm totally fine with it. Like I yeah. thought I would be upset when I was younger about it. Like, oh, I've not really got many friends. And I must admit, I've had my down times, you know, when I've had a bad day or things hasn't gone my way. I sometimes think about that side of things. But at the end of the day, I, I really don't care most of the time unless something goes really wrong. Yeah, yeah. I was going to touch on about, I put it in the notes as well, about you literally not caring. Like some of your videos, you just literally say whatever the fuck comes to your mind and not having to worry about other people's opinions, especially in today's world where you say the one bad word and like everyone's on your case. Like you might call something gay or you might tell someone to fuck off on a video and everyone's kicking off. It's like, yeah. how do you kind of, is it just something that you've always been like just not really caring too much about other people's opinion or is there anything that you've kind of had to learn over the years to just care about yourself and, and not worry about what other people think i think if you look into people commenting because everyone's has an opinion that's mm -hmm. what i've realized everyone's got an opinion whether it's positive or it's negative you can't please everyone in life and i've just come to realize that if if you just do you you just stick to yourself and someone will like it there's someone in this world that will like it and uh, i've luckily enough found a kind of i, I try and find a unique way of doing things I think right especially a couple of years back I was like a lot of people luckily there's more honesty now I see it a lot more on social media but when I first started it was more of a unique selling point for me like I was quite honest people could relate to that sort of thing and that's kind of how I built more of an audience on online um, and just me being me and I just thought hang on let's just do that just do what people aren't doing and tell people the truth about what the day what's happened in the day and what goes on behind closed doors because everyone just wants to post the, the great stuff you know everyone wants to see the positive but no one wants to really see the downside of it so i just post everything <laughs> just keep yeah. it honest that comes with its downfalls though i must admit because then you do get people like if i talk about mental health then i do get someone messaging me like i'm the bloody counselor or gp and i'm just like no mate like this isn't my expertise like go and speak to a specialist about that side of things but sometimes there are you know positives out from it like oh you being honest about this being honest about that has really helped me out and I'm thinking really but when mm -hmm. I deep it when I sit there and deep it I think actually you know what it, it could help someone if I can help one person it's better than no one yeah it's powerful the platform that you've got though if you're getting people who are messaging you and take open up to you like you're like you are the counselor so it's powerful that the power that you have to kind of let someone feel that way that they can actually message you and open it up. So whatever you're doing is obviously working. And the more people that kind of just be real, because you can tell the people who would kind of keep everything all like glitz and glam and all happy daisy on like social media, Instagram and stuff. And then the ones who put the real stuff out, I think the ones who yeah. do put them real stuff out are the ones that they might not have as much of a following. They might only have a few thousand followers, but the engagement that they're going to have with those followers that they've got is going to be a million times more compared to the people who might have millions of followers in like, don't know, they might get one message or something every so often with people who actually care about that stuff. Um, so, so credit you for I that. Totally agree. Yeah, 100%. totally agree on that. Yeah, so we'll talk touch about the mental health side about, because I've listened to previous podcasts with yourself in, when you were at uni, you had a little bit of a stint, I think when you felt a little bit lonely, maybe a little bit lost. Talk us a bit about the period you were going through and then obviously about the smoking weed and how that's, you've obviously stopped that recently as well. Mm. So it started in my second year university where... I had two other housemates and sometimes they had a housemate. I was in Southampton. One of my mates used to go home for the weekend because he used to live in Portsmouth. And one other, other friend used to go out a bit more than what I did. So that just left poor old me at home. And at first I was like, I'll just play fucking PS4, just play it, you know. But after a while, it's just like, you know, I'm playing PS4 every single day. I'm not doing anything else. And then you actually do sometimes realise, shit, I'm actually getting lonely. 
And then it got to my, got to the end of the, the, the third year. And we're like, right, boys, what are we going to do for the final year? We're going to still live to, with each other. And then one of my mates like, oh, I'm going to go live, live back at home in Portsmouth because it's going to be easier for me to commute back over to Southampton. I was like, fair enough. And my mate was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to move in with my other friends that I've got on, on the course. And I was like, okay, so what am I going to do then? And uh, in my third year, I had to end up living in just like a house full of people that basically, it was only four of us in total, but it was basically people that, didn't have anywhere to live sort of thing so I didn't know any of these people it was just a case of one it was German um, another Canadian bloke and some other bloke that was had totally different goals totally different interests so it never would have worked out and uh, yeah it just started from there I was just like fuck me like I've got <laughs> I just kind of felt really lonely after that sort of period of time and obviously like I said to earlier I wasn't able to just go home every single weekend so I kind of had to suck it up a little bit and I'm quite with those sort of things, I, I was quiet about it until I actually opened up and I was like, actually, fuck, I feel better about this because other people can relate to it. But at the time, I was quite quiet about those sort of emotions. And, you know, after a while, it did fucking it did, it did dig yourself a bit of a hole that you can't get yourself out of. And I came lonely and, uh, yeah, I came quite depressed from that, actually. I'll be honest, I look back now and I think I was actually really miserable, like curling up in a ball, crying myself to sleep, you know, all this sort of stuff, looking out a window. I think I can go head first out there. And I thought, I never thought about that ever in my life until I was like 20. I was like, what the fuck? So, yeah, loads of, loads of weird shit happened. And uh, that's where it kind of opened up my eyes. Like, shit, I actually need to probably speak to someone about this. So I actually went into the university and the university do offer support like that luckily at the time and probably they still do that now and I spoke to the the university people and they were actually really helpful they just said look this is quite common you're not the first one that's came in today about this sort of thing and just knowing that other people were suffering made me feel better as, as horrible yeah. as that sounds it made me feel better because I felt people could relate to me so that's when I started expressing it on YouTube and then even more people started relating to it and understanding so yeah, that's where it all started, mate. It was uh, it was a, the last year was a really tough year for me mentally, but I'm that type of person that don't really give up. Like I can just fight through that sort of stuff. And yeah, it might be a big problem, but I just kind of I would say there's light at the end of the tunnel, so I always work through it. Yeah, no, I appreciate you talking about that because, like I said, like you said, the more people that talk about it, the better. Like I had my own journeys. I've talked about it in podcasts. Everybody's probably going to have a period of loneliness at some point whether it's when they're 20 year old at university or when they're 60 70 year old or 80 year old when they lose the missus like everybody's gonna at some point in your life you're gonna have that period of loneliness but it's just people find out a different stage and I was thinking beforehand like when when we were younger and you had that period of like when you're on your own you for some reason you never like do feel that lonely there probably is there probably is kids who are who do feel that kind of way like maybe they've been abandoned by their parents or whatever it is but you just get to a certain point in life and you, things change and maybe you you don't feel like you're connected with the world or connecting with other people like you were living with people who you didn't really connect with and they're not really in the same mindset. So maybe you feel a bit lost, like, am I the weird one or am I, am I doing something wrong? Why am I kind of feeling this way? So it will take time. And if you, like, you've done, you've talked about it and, and people have seen it on YouTube and you've probably end up meeting people because of it and then connected with them and they share their story and then you end up realising, you know what, shit, I'm actually all right. Like, I'm on my own. There's, there's, I'm not on my own, sorry. There's other people out there who been in similar positions and we can just like, chat. Like This is why I enjoyed the podcast because like, other people open up about their stories. There might be someone yeah. listening to the podcast who's been through a similar thing. So yeah, the more you can open up, um, the kind of better from there. Talking about sorting your head out because I like it every time in your videos on YouTube before like it, um, before you go for a work, you like sort this fucking head out every single time. <laughs> how important How important has bodybuilding been for you for your mental health? I'll, I'll be honest, mate. It's not as big as what you'd think. 
It really isn't. It's because I, I do it more because I actually love it. I don't do it because it clears my head. I can flick the switch like that quite easily when it comes to things. Like if I've had a shit day, cool, I can flick the switch. Let's go train now. I don't really use it as, as weird as that sounds. I don't really use it as a, a coping mechanism for my stress or whatever. I know it's just, it's, it's, as well, it's a hobby for me. It's a passion, but it's also my job. And that's why I get paid to, to do what I do. So I need to be on point with that. And I can, I'm very good at just flicking the switch with most things. So believe it or not, mate, I, I'm, I'm, I know it's a bit of a boring answer to, to that. It don't actually do much for me mentally. I just know that it's a part of my day. I do it every single day. It's routined. It's just same old sort of stuff. Nothing changes regardless of how a shit day or a good day, still get it done. You know, um, it's just, a part of, yeah it's just a part of the process it's such a shit answer i know yeah. but it's so true i don't <laughs> want to lie to you and say oh it's done this to me it's done that because it doesn't it really yeah. doesn't it's just what i do you know i do it on a day-to-day basis <laughs> no i love that i think a lot of people can probably relate to it it's just something that they enjoy doing like some people probably think we're weird that we actually enjoy doing that sort of stuff so much but once you get that once you get that kind of itch and get that kind of what addiction to whatever it is you kind of have to do it how did you um? How did you find your three weeks off training? Because I know you just came back from a little stomach stomach issue. How did you find that? Did it did it kind of not training like change you mentally in terms of your productivity? Because I I like to use training a little bit as a kind of a momentum builder for like my week or for like going to do some some work or whatever it is. How did you find that in terms of in terms of everything else? It was hard. It was uh, physically mentally hard because I lost I lost about over a stone about 20 pounds in about three weeks it was like a mini cut done in three weeks i was like fuck me um i was only eating like one or two meals a day and i could just see my body just decline um quite swiftly but i I knew that that was needed in order for me to sort whatever issue out it was and i think most of it was down to stress a lot of it and a big thing that i've learned from that issue was was just controlling managing my stress and those three weeks i was on point with just like meditation i bought like a journal started journaling all that sort of stuff had a diary to write out what i need to do for day to be all more organized and you know when i when i started doing that all of a sudden this sort of had like a it was like a a, i don't even know what you want to call like a balloon in my stomach that was just really tight all the time and ever since i just controlled things better it just disappeared and all of a sudden i woke up and i was like i'm totally fine What, what the fuck i've had this stomach issue for the past four months I've not been able to keep food down. I've even been sick or gone to the toilet 10 times a day. And a lot of it was just stress. It was just stress. Yeah. And yeah, the, the mental side of things was just seeing me loot. Like I didn't weigh myself too much, but I did weigh myself here and there. And I was like, fuck me, I'm another four pounds down from last time I checked. And I, I, I was a little bit anxious going back into the gym because I didn't want to find out what would have happened. You know, I didn't want to find out where my strength was because I've worked so hard to build it up to where it is that it just went like that. And I'm still trying to, obviously, I'm four weeks back into it now. I'm still trying to actually get back to where I was originally. But it's the scale weight. The big, the biggest thing was the scale weight because I, I pushed a, like I pushed really, really hard. And uh, AJ actually was the first. He was the first person to to see it like firsthand what I was going through because I actually stayed up his at the weekend. Um, and he was like, right, just take this week off, mate. Like I'm not happy with what you're doing. You don't, you look awful, you look drained, you look tired, you look stressed. And I was like, you're right, man, I'm absolutely fucked right now. And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, just, just take a step backwards. And ever since he told me to do that, yeah, it was hard for the three weeks. But the way I see it, if I took three weeks, I want to be trained for the next 20 years. What's three weeks in 20 years? You know, it's barely yeah. fuck all. Yeah. Do you find so, it hard yeah. to rest then? Do you, do you think, do you think you would have rested if AJ didn't say anything? Or do you think you would have pushed it maybe another week or two? 
I, I would have kept going. I would have kept yeah. going. I'm quite extreme like that. Um, I always I have the young boy sort of mentality. Oh, I'm young, I'll cover. I'm young, but as you get like acting like I'm old, but when I got to like 24, it's like fuck. Okay, um, I need to actually get this checked out because I used to hate going doctors. Don't know why. I just don't like finding out what my problems are. I just let them naturally go away. Uh, it's just a young sort of boy mentality thing. And uh, this one, I was like, right, I'm actually going to have to go to the doctors and get this checked out. And I just thought, right, I'll just do whatever I can in that for that three weeks. So I haven't got to focus on the gym because normally when it's the gym, it's like, right, I need to focus on meal timings. Need to focus on sleep. But I just thought, right, forget about all that. It's still going to be there when you're back. And um, yeah, just focused on getting myself better. And luckily, I did, and haven't looked back since. And I've the best I felt in well over a year now, which is great. Yeah, so taking that rest is something important. It's almost like you're maturing with your age in terms of your training knowledge and stuff. Because I'm, I was the same. I used to like literally train every single day, the gym wise, and then football on top of it. I used to burn myself out. Probably why I ended up getting a lot of injuries. So like, it's just just things that you kind of learn over time. Talking about training maturity and, and maybe some of the things that you used to do when you first started i think i i went back to look at a few old videos just to see what the difference was between your videos now and and one of the videos i clicked on was you saying um so it was from about would have been about three or four years ago it was before leg days like and you, it was, you know what i'm going to say about the paracetamol since sometimes when i have leg, legs doms i take a paracetamol to numb the pain yeah yes yes <laughs> that was yeah, a, it was a good it was a while ago like so i'm, I'm guessing your knowledge has changed but then but is there anything like other things like that that you used to do training wise in terms of like the amount of volume you used to do or maybe your training split, how that's kind of changed over the years, the more that you've kind of learned? So I think when I started out training, it was a lot of volume. I remember it was looking at bodybuilding.com, what are the pros doing and, and copying that. And I used to chase a lot of soreness. Like I used to go to the expos and ask the pro bodybuilders, like, is do I need to be sore after every single workout to, to build more muscle? I used to I used to ask Big Rammy that, and uh, I didn't even understand a word what he said to me at the time. I think the answer was no. <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, ever yeah, ever since I just actually what was it when uh, when I was at uni, I actually invested in the train by JP. So I was quite into that side of things quite early, like when he started that side of things. So I actually learned a lot through doing that, and that's when I kind of changed my training around because I was quite influenced by him and his strength back in like was it about 2017, 2016 time? Like really, I was like really early before it all got big, um, which I'm quite grateful for now. But when I was younger, yeah, a lot of volume, a lot of just doing shit that I don't need to be doing. Even I was guilty of it in my 2019 prep. I still did more than what I should have done. So <laughs> I haven't really learned too much from that. Um, but certainly this year, like even just since I've been back into the gym, I've been way smarter of what I've been doing like normally I'm very eager to get back to the strength I was like seeing numbers go down I thought okay I need to get back up to that certain number but this time I've gone right let's just take my time let's just build it up slowly you'll get there eventually yeah just a just a maturity to it for sure as I've got older as I've got wiser and at the end of the day I preach this stuff to my clients I need to be doing it myself and I got to a point where I'm preaching this I'm not even doing it myself I'm like okay that's an issue there because why are people going to listen to me if I'm not doing it myself you know uh so that definitely opened up my eyes a little bit so certainly just growing with age and maturity with training that's for sure yeah i think that shows the value of having a coach though because if a coach is telling you to do something you have to stick to it kind of thing and now what it's i know what it's like if you write a plan for yourself you finish the session you're like go on i'll throw an extra set in there go on i'll do an extra this all right you feel all right on the rest day you're like go on i'll throw a, an arm session i'll do a bit extra cardio sort of thing but having that coach who kind of has the plan in place and understands that right you need the rest there you need to do this that, and the other um 
it's mm. just really important because down the line you're going to end up burning yourself out if you keep on adding these little bits and bits up so, mm. and funny you say that I mean AJ in 2019 was telling me to stop but I couldn't stop <laughs> I was in uh, I was in a mindset where he told me what to do but I just didn't do it I did more and uh, I look back now and I think why the fuck was I doing that but when you're in that sort of mindset it's very hard to change it until you start until things go bad you're like okay shit yeah I should have listened to him and that's something that obviously you just learn as you go. And I know next time round, even with preps, for example, and stuff like that, I'm not going to be doing that. That's for sure. Because I learned the hard way that that was, uh, yeah, I'm terrible for it. I've been guilt. I'm always been like that. I just push the boundaries a little bit. I'm quite an extreme person when it comes to that side of things. But now I've, as I've got older, I've, I've, I've changed that a lot. I've changed that a lot. You'd rather have the mindset of wanting to do too much though than wanting to do too little. Like if you as a coach, if you've got a client who's like hardly doing anything or hardly filling out the spreadsheet and stuff like that, you'd rather do someone who's completely overdoing it because then you can try and rein them in. It's harder to try and push someone further than rein them in. Yeah. So you're probably, you're probably yeah. blessed. It's a blessing and a curse at the end of the day. So yeah, in, ter- yeah. in terms of bodybuilding training itself, you talked about before how your kind of volumes kind of changed because one thing I've noticed over the last few years after looking a bit more into bodybuilding, probably because of JP really, the kind of high intensity approach to training, like the one all out set to failure. When did you start implementing that sort of style of training, a little bit more intensity, lower volume sort of stuff? Probably, I'd say about five years ago. You know, actually yeah. ever since I started following JP in 2016, I started following that principle from quite early doors. So yeah, it's been it's been a long time now. It's been a long yeah. time. How you, really how changed you find it? it? Do you, do you think it's like a men, mental approach? Do you think both like the more volume RP, like RPE sort of way does still work? Or do you think kind of there's one way that's better than the other? Or do you think it just depends on the person to person, like the mentality of the person? I think it depends on the person because at the end of the day, volume is still a driver for hypertrophy. Like doing more is mm-hmm. a driver. But when you look at it in terms of if I'm lifting, say let's, let's say 100 kilos on a bench press for 10 reps and next week I do it for 12 reps, you know, you've had a 200 kilos worth of volume from last session to, to, to the next. So in fact, you are actually adding volume without even you realizing it. Um, I, I would certainly say with the, with the volume element of things, it's very individual. Like everyone, I've, I've, I've coached hundreds of people now and I've realized that people respond to things better than, than other people. Some people don't need as much. And it's just, if you can find that within your own training, then you can just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, and then you will get the results, regardless of whether it's high volume, low volume. It's just what works for for, for the person themselves, really. Yeah. I just learned that over time. And that's why I'm not really judgmental on what people do anymore. Like if someone wants to do a higher volume split, then by all means, as long as they're progressing, that's the main thing, right? Mm, exactly. So yeah, I've, I've been a lot smarter with that side of things. Instead of just being very closed-minded, saying, no, you need to do that. You need to do that. I was like that. But now mm. I've realized it doesn't need to be like that. Yeah, there's so many different ways. Like I follow um, Jeff Alberts at the 3DMJ lot, and he literally does his volumes not a lot. He does like maybe two sets of two sets of squatting for leg day, two sets of hamstring curls, some calf raises. But he's obviously been yeah. doing it for what fifty, well, I don't know how many years he's been doing it. So everybody's different. Like, you follow him and look at his session, you think he's not doing that much there. And then you look at someone like AJ does quite a lot of volume with the high intensity. And then there's people like um, the Revive Stronger in what's his name, um, Steve. Steve, well, Steve Hall, that's the one, yeah. Sometimes, I think he's kind of switched over a little bit more towards the high intensity I've seen, but he's a little bit more volume-based. Everyone's slightly different. So it's just about whatever kind of suits you. I like the, the, in terms of the training I'm currently doing, I like the kind of all out two or three sets, maybe one or two sets, to because you just know that you put your mind into everything into that one set, and then mm. each week you're just trying to beat them numbers. So yeah, in terms I agree. Of, I agree. Yeah, in, in terms of your training as well, 
I think you mentioned it before in podcasts and YouTube videos about adding bands and stuff. You used to bash it a little bit back in the day about adding resistance bands, daisy chains, all that sort of stuff. When did you personally kind of start to change your mind about that sort of stuff and start implementing it into your own training? I would say about six months ago. I only do yeah. on some things, though. I must admit, I don't do on everything. Like, I see some people reverse band the Smith Press and they're only doing the plate aside. And I'm thinking, like, foundations are still key. Like, mm-hmm. getting, like, for me, I've, I've done four and a half, 450 kilos on a leg press before and my legs still look like shit. And there's something going wrong there. Like, and my form has been good. Like, I get full range of motion. You know, I, I've done all of that. And and something goes something was clearly wrong there. So I incorporated the band about six months ago, and ever since I started doing that, I just felt a whole different entire stimulus, and especially my legs. Like I was really focusing on developing my legs, and then since then I was like, wow, okay, yeah, I'm not lifting as much, but I'm more interested about how that actually feels when I finish the set because it was all good moving weight from A to B. But if you're finishing the set and going, oh, I don't necessarily feel that where I wanted to, is that really? is that is that it's a good thing now i think there's a balance between like for example an rdl like a barbell row these sort of movement patterns you don't necessarily have to feel when you finish an exercise but majority of things you should be like a leg extension hamstring curl even a hack squat a leg press you should be finishing a set and fuck me i felt that where i needed to and i fell in the trait of just moving weight from a to b and, and trying to get strong like that which does work to an extent but but certainly since i've been focusing on actually progressing but then thinking about the internal stimulus, the internal drive and finish that set going, actually, I feel that where I need to, I'm getting the best of both worlds. I'm getting the metabolic stress from the blood flow. I'm getting the progressive overload. And yeah, the progression's slower, but it's accuracy. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's perfect. It's perfect progression. It's not just me adding 20 kilos from one week to the next. It's me adding five kilos maybe every other week, but mm-hmm. still keeping the form the exact same, still feeling the exact same way like I did in the first week. So it's definitely opened up my eyes for sure. Like I said, I see a lot of people now do it on absolutely everything, which I don't necessarily agree with. I still think like the reverse band, like incline Smith machine press that, you know, you see someone that's only 60 kilos doing it and you're thinking yeah. like, come on, build some foundations. But when you fit that sort of plateau, when you've exhausted what you can in terms of progression, like I sit there and think how many more plates can I add to a leg press before I fucking kill myself, <laughs> you know? So there is a, there's a fine balance between it, but ever since I've, I've flicked that switch in that terms of training and focus on like intensity methods. So two counts on the contraction, more continuous reps, instead of me standing up on top of a hack squat for let's say five seconds and then getting four extra reps because I'm fucking giving myself a rest at the top, making it more continuous. It's been a game changer. It really has. And I thoroughly enjoy it actually a lot more. Yeah, I've I like I've noticed. Well, to be fair, I've had a lot of knee injuries and ankle injuries and stuff like that. So I kind of, especially when it comes to my leg training, have to drop the weight a lot and do a lot of like three or four second negatives, one or two second pause on the contraction sort of thing. And it burns ten times much than just hoying the weight. It's a lot more of a mental game as well. Just how many reps can you go while you're in that kind of like normally the last two or three reps start to burn if you're just kind of lifting the weight up and down. But if you're slowing the range, like slowing it down completely, it's like five, six, seven reps that are like, fucking hell, this is tough and challenging. And a lot of people, I've started training my clients that way as well. And say they could get 60 kilograms for 10 on a bench press. You drop that you drop that tempo down, they could probably only get five, but they mentally fail before the muscle actually fails. So I find mm-hmm. with beginner, a lot of beginner lifters, a little bit more volume seems to work a little bit better. And then as they've kind of learned to push themselves to failure, drop that volume down a little bit and increase the intensity. That's helped quite a bit. Um, but it is a mental thing. If you're not mentally up for pushing yourself all the way to failure, that style of training is not going to work for you. So you've yeah, got to, you've got to it's, a, it's a skill. It's a skill. It's a, if you can learn that skill, like 
I've got to a point now where if I can grab a five kilo fucking dumbbell, I can curl it and probably go to failure for 10 reps because my yeah. internal actual drive and, and the stimulus I can get from that is, is way better. Whereas normally for five, I probably do 50, 100 reps with it, you know, quite easily. But I could really get tap into that side of things a lot better. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a skill, you know, the, the ability for you to hold the contractions, do the three to four second eccentrics when things get harder. So towards the end of the set, you know, if you can, if you can do that and your, your first rep looks the exact same as your last rep, that's a really good skill to learn. Because a lot of the time, and I have this still with, with clients that are maybe inexperienced, that they, they start off doing the intensity methods that I described then. And after a while, they just want to move weight and they kind of lose that sort of, not drive to do it, but they just lose that sort of thought process to do it. And I'm, I'm seeing their training footage going, you're not following exactly what I said. And like, oh shit, no wonder my training's starting to stall. I'm like, well, there we go then, you know? So it really is a skill. And if you can be patient with it, if you can learn it, then it will, it will take you that extra step. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think it helps long, with longevity in terms of training as well, rather than just trying to shift. Like I, like I said, I've had a lot of injuries and stuff and I found my joints are a lot better from just dropping the weight and just focusing on actually working the muscles that you want rather than, for example, in squat at the bottom of the rep, just bouncing up and down your tendons and your ligaments and the thing that's just going to be taken over then rather than the muscles. So adding little pauses and stuff, especially on compound lifts, but it's just it's just that much harder, which is why people don't really like to do it that much. Mm. Yeah, so moving on. We'll move probably to the last little bit about your online coaching business and YouTube. So when you when did you start YouTube again? Was it about university time you started it? Yeah, my second year of university, it was, uh, yeah. I started on just doing student budget stuff. My first video was a bodybuilder food shop on a student budget. That's actually one of my most viewed videos on my fucking channel still. <laughs> a uh, lot of the time, I think, because people, when when you find a new channel, I always go back on the first video to see what's like, like Christian Guzman's video, for example. You go back on his first one and look at it just to see how far he came. Um, so what was the reason you kind of started it? Was it for you just someone said, oh, you should do YouTube or was it? I love watching YouTube. I used to love it. Sit there. I used to watch uh, Physiques of Greatness, Chris Jones, um, Christian Goose one as well. And I was thinking, these guys make a living from doing that. Why can't I do that? So I thought, right, what is unique at the time? And I don't even remember Sean Thompson. He used to do yeah. a lot of like student budget stuff. And he kind of fell off of it a little bit back then. I thought, right, there's a gap there I can feel that's, that's available now. And I think, right, I'm a student. I'm on a budget. Let's fucking, I do bodybuilding. Let's see if people watch this sort of stuff. So I started doing all that sort of, sort of, sort of four days of eating, food shopping, day in a life of a uni student. And I think by the time I finished university, I had about three and a half thousand subscribers, something like that. So I was quite privileged uh, in the year and a half that I did it. I built a bit of a, a bit of a following from it, which was good. So it allowed me to kind of say, fuck this, I'm not getting a full-time job or I'm not doing anything I don't want to do. I can just focus on trying to do do what I want to do so uh that's how it led into the the online coaching side of things I just decided to take on a few people for free had the audience do so and people like yeah buzzing buzzing I had like 12 people I was like fuck me I can't take 12 people on so I took like two people on at a time and um then I started charging people and it just kind of went from there mate and I've never never looked back since did you get like any criticism or anything for people that you live with at uni did they give you any stick for it like videoing yourself and all that and not really in the last year, it was a little bit awkward because obviously I was living with people that I didn't yeah. know and they didn't really understand what I was doing at the time. So I kind of kept it. When they were downstairs, I'd stay upstairs. But when they used to fuck off, I used to come downstairs and just do a little bit of recording, that sort of stuff. So they never really saw too much of what I did. Um, 
my other housemates they were more supportive of it because they did the the fitness they obviously watched a few youtubers so they were kind of already aware but yeah in the third year they didn't have a clue okay i'm gonna that quite quiet really yeah. that's quite i don't <laughs> and that's why one thing in my video you don't really see too many people in it it's mainly just about me there's not really many people that feature in the videos mm-hmm. and i've always just been like that i don't know why i think it was just because at uni i had to sneak around and not let people see what i was doing uh yeah. weird very weird what it is yes i was gonna say what do you think helped grow your channel was it a combination because i know it's it's i feel like it's a lot harder to try and grow on youtube this this day than these days because you've been doing it quite a while and i see the people who have started to like bridgman started getting a bit big um tm cycles and stuff yourself started to grow over the last few years but you've been doing it for what has it been like seven how many years would it have been seven seven ish years i've done four it's four four years four so it's, been, it's still now. been yeah, quite a long years. time see a lot of people would kind of give up after one or two years if they're not getting anywhere but what do you think kind of helped you? Was it a combination of doing like, I've seen you used to do a lot of like uh, food challenges and stuff like that, like the kind of generic videos, full day of eatings, but also do you think it's important to kind of add in your own sort of individual knowledge as well as getting them videos that just go viral and all that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time it was, I did, a lot of it was just me and, and me doing what I did. Back then when I started, it's not like everyone nowadays wants to do YouTube. Everyone now has a YouTube channel and they might not have crazy amounts of subscribers. They might have like 50 subscribers, but there are loads of people doing the same shit that I do. Whereas back four years, five years ago, when I first started, it it wasn't as popular as it is now. So it's a lot harder to build that sort of following. But at the time I was just like, right, just do me. Just And, And now I look back and laugh at some of the videos and think, what a tip. But people used to love that sort of stuff, you know? um i think you have to have a balance between providing value providing entertainment and also trying to fit in with the trends as well like there's a lot of trends going around if you can get one of those videos that kind of and and the thing is i see a lot of it like for example let's just use brandon harden as an example you know he's got a great following but from what i've seen just knowing him and, and following him like he has and we spoke about this earlier about engagement his engagement in terms of like loyalty and just general people that just watch his stuff. It's not like people know know him inside out, if that makes sense. And that's what I find quite different when I started. It was a case of people knew quite a lot about me. I kind of kept it real, kept it relatable, um, which definitely did help. Definitely did help build that following. I think nowadays everyone just tries to copy everyone else. It's just too much yeah. copying, um, which for me... I I see it and I've done it before I've been guilty of just trying to copy what other people are doing and it's never bought more engagement round you know the amount of times I've looked at let's say Brandon again I've looked at what he's done in terms of videos gone oh I can replicate that tried it tried you tried to use a clickbait title nobody fucking watches it it's like fuck's sake like uh, how has he got a really good viewing on a video and I've got something fucking that's got half the views I normally would get so just sticking to what you do best and that unique selling point like I said to begin with is what will uh will will increase your following yeah do you ever worry that if you get like too big that you'll lose that connection with your audience because i've been following people who have went from like kind of like yourself they still got a decent amount of subscribers, but you kind of have that bit more connection with the audience then you go like like brandon harding that obviously used to be smaller and try to think like Mm. do you watch joe delaney's videos have you ever watched his old ones when he used I've to watched like, his old ones, yeah. used to go on like Tinder dates and stuff like that and IB for mm. and stuff like that sort of thing. Now he's very mainstream. Like that sort of feel like they kind of disconnect a little bit and it's it's kind of the doing very mainstream video. Do you get do you ever worry that it'll kind of get to that point and you won't because I think that could obviously if you do well it, it might end up happening, but it's hard to kind of keep that engagement at the same time. Mm. Uh, 
I don't think so. No, I think if the opportunity came up, I'd want to say like, look, I still want to do what I want to, you know, what I am in a way good at. I want to keep it to myself. I want to, I want to be who I am and not having to say, oh, buy these supplements, every single thing. These are really good. This is one, even though I've never used it in my life. I, I know as I've got deeper into knowing bigger people in the industry, I know that there's a lot of things that are, you know, fair, not, not bullshit, but they will say, oh, I'm using this, I'm using that. But reality is, I know just by knowing them that they're not using those particular brands or supplements. They're just sponsored because I don't want to fall into that trap. And I've always been quite honest about that. Um, no, I don't, I don't think I ever could, even if I had, because for me, I, I don't get, I'm not money driven at all. When it comes, if someone offered me like a, an amazing contract, say come to my protein and you'll be on this money and that I'd probably go, you know what? Yeah. The money's great. I don't use any of your products. Can we negotiate yeah. something else? You know, I'm that type of person. I'm not really that type of person who will do it for the money because money's great, but it's always going to be there. You know, I'm, I don't want to be someone who's fucking appalling every fucking, I don't know, he's got loads of money. It's not really my thing. Yeah. I'm just keeping myself myself. As long as I'm happy, I'm all right. Exactly. As long, if you if you end up losing yourself, if you get offered something that isn't you and you end up doing it, but you get loads of money, you're still not, you're kind of going to disconnect from yourself and it's not, you're not going to be happy at the end of the day. There's only so much money that you can get. Um, yeah, but yeah, I was going to touch on about the um, the James Smith thing we mentioned at the start of the podcast about his little yes. uh, his little Instagram post. There was a lot of um, interesting comments, and he's put uh, I said to you before he's just put like another thing on about um, kind of biting back at the bodybuilders. He, he mentioned about the pigeon chest uh, comment that Jack made. He, he brought that up <laughs> as well. I think he might have had a little screenshot in. What's your opinion on, on his what he was saying about kind of like he he's happy doing his whatever he's these 10 these 10,000 what was he doing he was happy doing 10k runs and doing that and being a pretty much not being in amazing shape and the one percent one or two percent of bodybuilders that do it fair play to them but the rest of them you're creating eating disorders this that and the other it was kind of it was he, he was fishing but some yeah. of the stuff he said could obviously hurt a few people <laughs> it wasn't his greatest post i must admit i've seen a lot better posts from him i think he was very opinionated on the situation and the, the thing with him, though, is it's great to have an opinion, but if he, and that's what I said in, my, in one of my comments, which I said, like, you haven't walked the walk. So I could understand if you have coached people and you've done all of that and you've witnessed that. But for him to say that a lot of people have got eating disorders, a lot of people do it because they want to, you know, get noticed and they're self-conscious isn't exactly true because it's not always the case and he hasn't done that for him to be able to i could understand if he competed and mm -hmm. he's got eating disorders he's coached people and all his clients have got eating disorders from it but he hasn't he's just got an, an opinion on it and that leads to unfortunately other people that you know as you can see from the post a lot of people have uh other opinions uh, upon it and i think he's yeah i think he knows what he's doing in the sense yeah. of, you know, it's good engagement. Like I, I think I saw like a photo where he gained like 1,800 subscribers in one day or something like from just that sort of uh, topic. So he's very smart at what he's doing, but at the same time, it's very close-minded, you know, competing for me isn't just all about that. Yeah, I mean, the look is great, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge. Like for me, it was a challenge that I've never ever done before in my life. And I'm always up for new challenges and, I surprised myself with what I was able to do, like committing to a diet for 37 weeks of the year was a fucking long old time to, to be dieting. And I didn't know I could do that before I got into it. And it just made me love bodybuilding even more. I didn't get an eating disorder from it. 
I didn't I didn't lose too much from it other than a little bit of muscle towards the end of the prep, which I knew was a part of the process anyway. But I certainly believe there's a lot more. And I've, you know, I've coached people that have competed and they've never had any issues from it. And it's made them more disciplined. It's made them more regimented. They've found, and I've even helped people find a passion for bodybuilding that they didn't think they had. So again, that that's, there's a lot more to it than what he's obviously just posted. And I think he's very closed minded about yeah. the situation. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't a happy boy when I, when I read that in the morning. <laughs> yeah, no, it's something like he's bashing people's livelihoods sometimes because people live for that stuff. And if that's something that's got them out of a dark place, like you can't be bashing it. It's better. They're probably in a better place now than they were. And something as well, I've just been thinking about when you're talking about, obviously he's big into his like jujitsu and I know what's professional sports like at the highest level when you're trying to play a week, like maybe for example, for football, two games a week. I know what it's like in football in terms of like the the overuse of like painkillers. I know lads who were taking like hundred milligrams of ibuprofen before games. That's like was it five five tablets of the two hundred milligram ones? Like a lot of it. There's a damage that can be done in every single sport. Obviously bodybuilding, you can do a lot of damage to yourself with certain things. If you if you do go assisted, you can obviously do it the wrong way. You can go too too low calories and kind of get go down that route. Or mm. whichever sport you're in, there's always going to be people who make it like put a bad name for it there's a lot of things that like, aren't out there about the, the, the kind of um anti-inflammatories and painkiller sides in professional sports so that can just just be just as bad as doing the wrong thing in bodybuilding but so there's it, kind of like he's very close minded in, into that but I, like you said i think he's just done it for a bite and he's, he's gained i think you said about two thousand followers from it so he knows he knows what he's doing whether or not he actually like, means what he's saying we don't know and the end of the day, he was that guy as well. You know, he's that guy that took steroids and was obsessed about how other people looked and stuff like that. Mm. So for him to come out and say that sort of stuff, I think yeah. contradicting yourself a little, even though you've changed, that was ages ago, you still was that guy, you know? Yeah. So I think for him, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, didn't rate it at all. Hey, but hey, we're, <laughs> we're talking about it though. So is any publicity is good publicity for him to be fair. Yeah. So we're to, we're to work it off. As long as anyway. he's, uh, what's that saying? Something about as long as my name's in your mouth, that's all that matters or something like that. Yeah, he'll, um, be, he'll be happy anyway. He's got it. That's what he's done. <laughs> that's what he's done to get where he is. He just says a topic that's going to like get people to bite or have an opinion on it. And then he'll just, people will share it or whatever it is. And he's just going to build a farm from there. Yeah. Well, it works for some people. It, works. it does. It does. Annoy. <laughs> whatever, whatever way it gets there. Anyway, we'll finish off with the last three questions. Did you have a little look at the three little Q&A questions at the end? I did, and they're always tricky, a, these ones. A <laughs> little bit of preparation at the end. So, first one, three people you'd want to invite round for dinner or go out for a coffee with, uh, past or present, so dead or alive. Oh, I still think about this, you know, because as, as weird as it sounds, like, and, and this is such a shit answer, like, a lot of people, I, I wouldn't want to, as weird yeah. as it sounds. It doesn't interest me. Like, you know, when you go to Expo, it's like, oh my God, that's him over there. I'm like, cool. Like, it doesn't like oh I want to get a photo of a celebrity or something like that. It, it doesn't it doesn't really bother me too much. But if I if I had to really pick someone, I'd have to oh I'd probably pick I'd probably pick Dorian Yates just because I want to know more about the 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 nineties sort of bodybuilding. I'm, I don't know why I've always been quite fascinated by the nineties bodybuilding, and obviously a lot of the time people say the photos never do it justice. Uh, I'd like to know a little bit more about that. Um, but again, when I think of Dorian. I think he isn't the most like energetic sort of person I'd sit there and have a good chat with. I think he's quite like boring to speak to, be quite dry and straight to the point, which isn't a bad thing. Um, I think I don't know. I don't, I don't honestly, mate. I, I, that was the first question I saw, and I think fuck's sake, I've been asked before, and I didn't know how to answer it. Um, 
you know what? I'd, I'd just bring my mum and dad because I just yeah. enjoy my... Mate, you're not I'd the first person mom. to say that. I've had two other people say that. They said, I want my mum, dad and my auntie to come around. Just said, like, yeah. they're not really bothered about having famous people mm. or whatever. Yeah, around. I'd have my mum and dad and I'd bring Diesel. I'd just bring the dog. Yeah, uh, I mean, speaking of that, I've heard my dog. I've got a little cockapoo. She's trying. I don't know if she's just sat outside. She was scraping on the walls. She's just sat. <laughs> I was worried she was going to come bombarded in. Um, next question. Classic. So, three people you'd want to train with? Oh, um, I would like to train. I'd always want to train with JP because I've always just been a big fan of of his. James Holland said I'd love to train with him. And the final person would probably be. Oh. I'd probably train with Flex Lewis and just be at the Dragon's Lair and just being in that yeah. sort of environment. I think that would be quite sick. Uh, back when he used to have like his preps and he used to invite everyone round, I'd love to be a part of that. That's for sure. That would be class. And then last one, one thing you said to yourself five years ago. Take the risks. Take risks. Like when you're young, I was, uh, what was the five years ago? 19. Low, less responsibilities. Just take the risks. Take the risk, and uh, mm -hmm. you've got nothing to really fall back on. You know, well, nothing to really do any damage. So just take the risks and fucking go for it. And if you lose out, you lose out. There's always next time. Not really losing too much from it. Take the yeah. risk. Perfect. I love that. I, I always say the younger you are, the less risk you have. That like you don't have house mortgage and all that. So just try different things. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Love you. Way to finish the podcast. Uh, do you want to shout out your social media? Like I said, I'll tag it. Um, your Instagram stuff down below and coaching how do people get in touch with you yeah first of all just thank you for having me on I've, uh, I've really enjoyed it it always helps on the uh, the rest days when especially work from home and uh, sort of counting down the clock for your next meal and like fucking I want to go to bed so no I appreciate you inviting me on it means a lot um, social media so George Osborne 12 my, uh, my lucky number's 12 I don't know why. It's just actually, I do know why. Funny enough, it's related to football. When I first, the first team I, I'm sorry, I'm waffling on there, but the first Mate, team I uh, paid for, they gave me, they gave, um, they just gave out bloody numbers from one to obviously 11. And I was number 12, which meant I was the first sub. And I was like, fuck's sake, fuck's sake. And then all of a sudden, I was, I was the top scorer in that. Uh, and I've played every single, I started every single week. So that's, that's how I was number 12. Um, YouTube is just George Osborne. Um, I'm not that MP bloke. It's normally typing George Osborne. It's like that fucking political MP fucking twat. I'm not him. I'm not. I'm hopefully not. He just always comes up as really annoying. One day I might be more famous than him. I mean, the names are spelt the exact same as well, which is annoying. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. My my email, georgeosbornecoaching at gmail.com. If anyone's interested in that side of things. I don't really use anything else, I don't think. Is there anything else? I don't think uh, there is, is there? Twitter, I don't use Twitter or nothing like that. Um, no, I don't really. Don't uh, no, I don't really. Don't really do Facebook side of things. Um, yeah, that's that's the main three. Spot on. <laughs> I'll put them all down below in the comments in the show notes for the podcast. But like I said, mate, it's an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you very much. The dogs just came in as well. Come on. Oh, where you going? Dogs got featured on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Nola's <laughs> made it on the podcast. Hello. <laughs> there we go. That'll, that'll do. We're wrapping up. Spot on, mate. Cheers. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, lots of love. So thank you very much if you listen to the full episode of the podcast. And again, thank you, George, for coming on the podcast and being so open, especially about his mental health issues. If you do want to obviously get in touch with George, I'll leave his Instagram down below. If you check out his YouTube, got some good videos on there as well. So I just want to say a big thank you to everybody who, as always, supports the podcast. If you can share it on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, if you're on Twitter, I'm not on Twitter, unfortunately. So just share it on there anyway. 
tag your friends, send it, copy copy the link over, send it to a friend, put it in your, your friends group chat, whatever it is, just send it to as many people as possible just to spread the word. That would mean the world to me. And as always, my Instagram, my YouTube, everything else is in the show notes down below if you want to get in touch with me or check anything else out. So thank you very much for listening. This has been Process. Mm-hmm.